Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goza reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. Excited to talk with you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts, including, of course, Dana White's first press conference that he's done, his first uh, speaking to the media, the MMA media, since the unfortunate incident in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, when he hit his wife, Anne, and... Then a few days later, he spoke to TMZ. Uh, other than that, we haven't heard from the guy, but we did yesterday. So we'll talk about that. Bellator has unleashed a new Grand Prix on us. So we'll give you all, all of the info we have on that. They also re-signed one of their big stars. He is tied into the actual Grand Prix. And uh, we have a fun interview for you, Louis Sutherland from PFL. Uh, and why do I say that? Because the UKers always deliver. So I've looked this guy up a little bit. I can already tell it should be good. Getting ready to restart the show here. All right, goes So look. All respect to Bellator, excited about the Grand Prix, love the Grand Prix, but nothing's bigger than this whole Dana White thing. And, you know, it sucks to say that, but be prepared because I think we're going to be saying that for a long time. <laughs> and it's because the guy uh, doesn't get it, man. Oh, boy. Where to start? First of all, I've always told you guys, go to youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. There you can see the whole 13-minute and change interview. And along with that, you can see all the other interviews. Like, for example, this fight day, uh, this fight night that's coming up, we had a media day, right? And so, you know, when Sean Strickland's involved, you probably want to tune in. All of his is there. All of the others are there as well. Our spinning backlick show is there as well. So that's the place to be. You'll see a lot of stuff on our front page, obviously, with snippets, uh, video cuts, but not the whole thing. So the whole thing lasted about 13 minutes. And yes, there are times goes when I gave him a tip of the hat, especially how he started off with, um, don't defend me. What I did was wrong. Don't defend me because he's seen it. And we've spoken to our audience. We've said the same thing. Stop with the whole she hit him first. Alcohol was involved. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, like, you know, 
um, stop with that. He's the one saying, telling you, do not defend him. That part was a good start, don't you think? Yeah. The first two and a half minutes of what he said was perfect. Okay. I want to touch on something you said. I think he actually does get it. It might be us that doesn't get it. Because here's the deal. This dude, when I say he gets it, I think he. what I mean is, I think he knows, obviously, what he did was bad. But he also knows that just nothing's going to happen. You know? I think the whole point of what he did, in a way, he came out and, yes, he did say, please don't, uh, you know, this is about me or whatever. Um, but he said one thing that stuck out in my head, and it was, it's about me. Please don't ask the fighters about it. I don't want to take away their shine. That's when I say he gets it. Because in a way, it sounds like what he's doing is noble, but it's not. What he's doing is telling the media, you better not ask these fighters about this. Because he knows the only way uh, his goose is cooked is the more people talk about it, the more damaging it can be. And little by little, the talk just starts to go away because other people start doing stupid things in life and politics and all over the world. What he doesn't want is us to keep re-drumming this up and by asking other fighters and putting them in the situation because the second they say it, if it's a big-name fighter, it's a story, right? And so uh, I thought that was the whole point of why he came out. Was, was to kind of just tell the media, you better not be asking these guys this question. Not because he, he doesn't want them to deal with it, uh, not because it takes shine away from the card, it's because he doesn't want people talking about it. Yeah, that's true. Especially a Strickland, for example. A Strickland is probably the type of guy that'll come to your back, come and get your back. But along the ways, the road is so bumpy with Sean Strickland that he'll probably say some inflammatory things as well. And yes, it starts to add more fuel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay. I wrote a bunch of notes down. I'm just going to read them to you because I wrote them down in order as I was listening because I knew I wanted to talk to him, uh, talk about it. Don't defend me. Criticism is warranted. Okay. Kind of touched on that. 30 days off. He suggested at one point, what, what should I do? Take 30 or 60 days off? No, no one had that in mind indefinitely or resign is what people have in mind. Right. But remember, I've been saying all along that you could possibly come back in six months or a year. If you show you show us that this somehow really, really seems to matter to you and the company you care for and the employees you care for. Don't put a time limit on it because you're never going to please anybody. So don't say five years, three years, three months, six months, this, that, whatever. You say indefinitely, or you just resign. Then you let time heal the wound. So, yeah, 36 to come on, man. That was a joke for him to even say that. Him leaving hurts the company. You stands hurting the company. So, sure, I heard stock shares might be going down because of Endeavor. That was the anticipation of him possibly leaving. But he said it before. When they asked him if he's ever stepped away, he says they have a smooth-running machine and the UFC will be successful long when he's gone. And I believe it. Um, There's a lot of big fights that are signed by the matchmakers and Hunter Campbell. 
Sure, Dana signed a lot of them, but Dana's passed on a lot of them. That goes back even to the Lorenzo Fertitta days. So he's a big star. There's no denying that. And remember, I keep talking about the comeback story. Although every day that goes by, I'm like, who knows if I re would really want that? Because he's not showing me anything genuine that he really, really uh, cares about this stance, you know, cares about his company. I think him staying hurts the company, to tell you the truth, because right now, look at look at everything that it affects. And I think it's going to get worse, personally. Um, but but remember, he said the company would do very, very well but without him. Heck, he doesn't go to every fight, like Matt Wells put in his opinions piece. He doesn't even go to every pay-per-view. He doesn't even go to International Fight Week if he doesn't want to. He really has built a smooth running machine. It can last. I just think he loves the damn job, and he loves the perks, and he loves the power, and he loves rubbing elbows with A-listers. He doesn't want to give that up. Well, you should have thought of that before you did what you did, right? Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, uh, discussions internally. What, dis what discussions took place internally? Like, um, the Ari Emanuel, I'm very disappointed in this guy. He did do one hell of a purchase, and it's made him a lot of money, and it saved him from some of the other businesses that have appeared to have failed. But when has this guy ever spoken out or anything? He's the owner. We never hear from him at all, not from the day that they that they bought it or or anything. Uh, so we can never really get his true feelings on like, you know, some of these these weight cuts that have maybe hurt you know fighters along the way or could could hurt hurt them long long term definitely concussions and now you know stuff like this hell even the good stuff like we never really hear from him much about the good stuff as well but he would be the one that i guess would discuss it internally him and his partners you don't bring in the guy that you're gonna discipline and discuss it with him you know mm -hmm. what i mean if i effed up simon samano our managing editor and probably his boss would probably get together and discuss it or maybe even assistant editors on our team they don't bring me in and say hey what are you thinking pal you know like i, I don't i don't i just don't think it works that way um he says the punishment is the label that he's obviously whatever you want to call it a, a domestic abuser a woman beater wife beater whatever and he's gonna have to live with that okay so um michael vick should have just not gone to prison because he just would have had to live with the title of being, you know, someone that that, that puts together dog fights and he'll have to live with that guilt. When, when does that ever stop anybody? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's your own punishment is you got to live with it. Uh, give me a break, man. Uh, that, that was kind of like the dumbest thing of it all. I think <laughs> I could get a DUI and hurt some kids, you know, coming home and but i just told the judge yeah man I'm, I'm dealing with this i'm i'm living with this but yeah keep me at home and you know i'll, I'll be good because uh i'm my own worst you know i'm giving my own self a hard time uh i'm driving myself nuts i, I don't need to go to come on when does that ever happen ghost right it's silly dude and do you remember chris so you remember chris rennie right he came to our studio it rings a bell. Um, you sent me something from him with the Disney characters. I honestly think that is probably one of the most powerful things. If you really want to create 
some kind of uh, movement or something. I mean, I'll show it to you here on the camera, this thing. Oh, yeah, that, that. But it's images of Disney characters, female characters, like the Little Mermaid, let's say, right? Or who, I don't know. Whatever. Jasmine from the, the Genie movie. I forget what it's called. Anyway, but they have black eyes. If that got posted around, I bet you that would put a lot of pressure on Disney seeing those images and having to explain to kids why that image is the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like when I saw that, I thought, holy shit, that right there is very powerful. So when you say you think it's going to get worse, that's one way where I think it could get worse. Mm-hmm. But, but personally, I don't think Dana White thinks it's going to get worse. I think Dana White. Uh, not? He's pretty he's street savvy. He's he thinks he's bulletproof. And, and is he wrong to this point? Like, haven't really things gone? Hasn't it been 10 9 him, really, when you think about it? I mean, the major networks didn't really cover it very much, right? Uh, I think he learned his lesson with the LGBTQ community like 10 years ago. And, you know, he had to backtrack a little bit there. And he's been pretty good about it since there. You're right. He's never have ever been removed, you know, from his post. He pretty much has survived all that. Um, so he has pretty much won battles and wars, sure, but he's lost some rounds. But yeah, not many. Yeah, dude. Like, I don't know, man. Um, I really don't. I, I he might just get by on this one. Yeah, you know. Look, and if he does, we'll we'll just keep going or whatever. But I'm telling you, it, you know, we're part of the sport, so there's. It just seems like. Um, you know, we're, we already fight the fight in terms of being taken serious as a major sport. Yeah, there's moments where we shine bright, you know, and, and especially during pay-per-views and Grand Prix. And there's some special events when the sport just lets it dictate, you know, the uh, the appeal, I guess, that it has to the consumer. And, you know, we own Twitter, the Monday morning or the Monday uh what do they call it? The cool, the water cooler talk and you know social media, everything, right? My my friends who casually watch the sport, they're asking me about you know, wow, KOs, submissions, uh, great fights, and but then it's it's these steps back, you know, that can hurt us, and it's because we appear to be thuggish, you know, um, when when rather than that. We we should appear to be like athletic, athletic with grace, um, you know, skills and talents that the fighters have. But instead, it 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 just looks, you know, I don't know. It like I say, thuggish, um, unprofessional. You know, like maybe we shouldn't even be saying. Sh- I don't know. It, it, it people are gonna take take us less serious, right. and I think a lot of it has to do with. Some stuff that happens inside the cage and this type of stuff that happens outside the cage. Now, how is he going to tell the next fighter, yeah, you know, we don't stand for that. We just got to part ways. You stood for it with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're the head figure. You have to set the example for everyone else. You know, like, fuck, dude. This dude must really love fame because money he's got, okay? He's already got that. If he retired today, he's fine. I think it's the fame part that he's going to miss. Being the, the, power. Man, 
that's that's what he's trying to protect right now. Right. But again, if he stepped away for a while, he would gain back a lot of that respect little mm -hmm. by little from the people that lost a little bit of respect because guess what? They've made mistakes too. So have you and I. So that so has everyone that's listened to this show and listens to spinning back click and listens to our takes and whatever. They've done it as well. Right now, some people are like, there's parts of the world where it's like, yeah, man, she deserved it. But, you know, not not here, not in America, for the most part, at least decent people. We don't think that. But we do believe in second chances. And again, stepping away for whatever amount of time, it would have spoke volumes. And now we would be on day 10 of probably today we would have said, hey, uh, Dana usually appears on, on media days and he's. He's not appearing for Power Slap League, you know, for their whatever they have coming up. And we haven't seen much about UFC 283, but that's the way it should be. You know, he's, st he's staying back. He's healing with his family and, and understanding the gravity of his mistake. Positive things would be written about him and said about him. And so little by little, I think people would say, yeah, man, you know what? He took it head on like he says he has, which he has in some in some regards. But not in all ways. And so that positivity would all of a sudden start to build momentum because we'd be on day 10 now. And on Saturday, you know, we'd be closing in on two weeks. By the time of the pay-per-view, three weeks. By the time Australia comes around, six weeks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so now all of a sudden, by then, Dana's probably hopefully done stuff around the city of Las Vegas where he lives, uh, a, a donation, I think. Your time is even speaks more volumes than just a donation. A donation almost seems like you're just saying, okay, well, you go away now. You know, I, I gave a million dollars. No, spend some time, you know, at, at a, a shelter for battered women or whatever. Um, spend some time with your family, which shows us you really meant that they're the ones you're most concerned about and you're spending time with them and you're hanging out with them. I don't, I'm not saying social media posts every day, but I don't want to see fucking Fridays at this point. I don't even want to see you promoting uh, Power Slap League or none of that. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I am amazed that he and Ari don't get it. They're more concerned about those shares going down, and he's more concerned about the power uh, and the fame and, and all those perks that come from being the, the, the man. You know what I mean? I just think he's losing the long-term visibility of all this. I agree, and I disagree. Okay, here's where I disagree. I think he knows the UFC can run perfectly well with somebody else at the helm. I think what he's afraid of is if he steps away and people realize, well, wait, we don't need somebody brash at the helm to make this all work. For years we've been told he's the only guy that can make this work. He's the one that solves all these nightmares and puts up with these fighters. You don't have to be an asshole. You don't have to challenge the media, criticize people. You could just be kind of a stand-up dude and run the UFC. That is what he's afraid of, people finding that out. And if he steps away, and let's just say somebody comes in and runs the company just fine, I think everybody's going to realize, wait a minute, we don't need this. We don't need this headache here. We still make money, and he doesn't come back. I think that's his biggest fear, and I think that's why he doesn't do it. And let's just say that is. What's Ari's biggest fear then? What if somebody can do that and not give him the headache? I think he believes everything Dana tells him. Yeah, he's the only guy that can run it, man. I don't know anything about MMA. Look at all these other places. They've all closed down. UFC's the only one going. He's the only one that can do it. He can't be that stupid. 
hey, stupid enough to not release any any statement or anything, right? I think that's smart because when you do stay quiet, there's nothing that can come back and blow up in your face because you haven't said much about it. So I think that part's a little smart. However, I think it's also dumb because you can craft something that doesn't blow back in your face, but something that's that speaks volumes and allows people to you know take your company serious and uh, take you serious and. Plus, here's the other thing, George. Like these these guys with this amount of power and everything they do in the world, who knows how much fucking dirt they have on each other? You know what I mean? Like you never know. Like who knows what's really going on behind closed doors? He also said um, his oldest son is not pleased with him and his wife. Uh, him is a fa- they finished their vacation and they were fine. Sounds like him and the wife are fine. He he kept reemphasizing his kids are are the ones that are going to judge him the most, and that's what I think troubles him the most. But look, isn't this a guy that had a mom once that wrote a book about how just they don't get along? And so does family really, really like matter to him as much as others? Like for example, our good friend of the show, Rob Cardenas, man, everything that guy posts has to do with family. Him, I would believe first. You know, um, this guy seems to just have relationships with family members that don't seem as genuine you know i don't know man um here's a few more the slap league is still going forward um and that question got brushed under the rug by the way it did it sure did um yeah so the slap league still is going forward i guess his name's all over but I think he just faced basically convinced, all right, don't worry, I got this. And, um, you know, that's where we're at. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's pretty uh, It's pretty nuts that all this can go down. And, and, and who knows if this maybe has an effect on other sports. You know, we see other athletes in other sports and what happens to them. It's not anything like this. There's a lot of punishment going on. But uh, who knows if this has an effect on other sports where now they're like, well, why am I getting punished? Like, this dude didn't get punished. Like, who knows, man? Little things like this. um, I think the world needs to open their eyes a little bit more on this type of stuff. Yeah. Well, look, I want the best for the UFC, their employees, their fighters, the sport. Dana White's family, I've never met them, but how could they possibly be bad people? I mean, I haven't heard of anything uh, troubling, you know, from his kids or anything. They're happy for them that they have a really nice life that their dad built for them. And um, and then the wife, obviously, I, I, I don't know her as well. So why, why should I not hope for the best for, for them? I would hope for the best for anybody, honestly. For this guy, I hope he can get that there, maybe that there's someone out there that can pull him aside and say, listen, man, we care for you too, but this isn't the way to go about it. Um, is there, are we in the midst of a cancel, cancel culture or is this just something that's been happening for a long time? Like, for the most part, if you've done something that can hurt your brand, your business, 
there's been a parting of the ways. So this isn't something like recent. Oh my God, cancel cultures out there or anything like that. This is just kind of something that's kind of been happening for a long time. Now it didn't happen to everyone, but it did. You know, I think about this Harvey Weinstein guy and what it took finally for people to realize, oh, wait a minute, he's kind of a monster. Let's deal with him, you know, or anybody else. But it doesn't mean that like everyone's just running and being a tattletale. It's just saying we're just saying that the long-term future for everyone is usually best when someone does step away from them because guess what? It's the people underneath. It's those fighters that see that they can say anything, do anything, and they're bulletproof and nothing's gonna happen, you know, and we just cannot have that. Um, well, my question is this, though. Is it really cancel culture? Because to me, cancel culture was more directed towards people like a comedian that said the wrong thing, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Like, this is just straight out wrong, right? The, how do you defend this? I don't understand that. Like, Harvey Weinstein, that's flat out wrong, right? Whoever's on the other side of that argument, you got issues, if you have a problem with people not wanting to be associated with that, you have issues. If you, if you have a problem, if you don't have a problem with what Dana White did, right? Like you and I, we can say something stupid and make a mistake and go, fuck, I shouldn't have said that, but we may lose our jobs or whatever. And maybe that can be a little too harsh. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you look at the person's track history, right? Okay. 15 years. Have they been doing this every year? You know, is this just another incident or is this like the first time they've done that? That's how you figure out whether or not you can forgive somebody, if you can move on, if you can move past it. Um, but something like this, a, a slap to a woman in her face in front of all these people, just, just Ooh, doing, and just a doing show. It. Yeah, and well, a shot. You have a code of conduct that's respected is what I'm saying. Right. That is completely different. We don't have to go, well, has he done it before? Who gives a fuck if he's done it before or not? He did it. That's it should be a privilege. It should be a privilege to fight in the UFC, and you should know that when you go there, you need to conduct yourself as a professional athlete, not as a thug, you know? And and when you make those mistakes, there are going to be certain people that want nothing to do with you, mm-hmm. you know? And so, therefore, Jesus, do we need to say it? Hey, don't hit women, you know. Like, just don't do that. Is that that is that that hard to do? I don't even have to say, hey, don't hit women because you might not play in the NFL one day. No, just don't hit them. Like, don't even think about that. Mm-hmm. But that's basically what it is. I'm I'm doing like like ethics for dummies right now. It seems like you know because so many people are like, oh, why? Well, what does it do? You know what? Well, do you not see the way our sport has kind of unraveled in the last few years and, and how it probably will get worse? Because, you know, as generations unfold, things just get a little bit looser, you know, in the, in the way mankind, I guess, evolves. And, and so we have to kind of taper it and control it and make sure that we aren't just, you know, pretty. I don't know. Yeah, that, that we aren't just going back back to the caveman days, I guess. And another thing that I keep hearing is the alcohol alcohol was involved alcohol was involved yeah dude okay i've been drunk i've done stupid things drunk but at no point did i forget what was wrong and what was right 
okay? Maybe alcohol made me do something uh, a little stupid, but I still knew what the repercussions of it was. I just did it, right? But I at no time said, wait a minute, so all of a sudden, is this okay? No. When you're drunk, you, you might do something a little extra stupid, but yeah, you still know right it. I'm wrong. Exactly. It's like this get out of jail card for free. It's this immunity you have because, oh, yeah, she hit me first. Oh, yeah, well, I was drunk. I mean, you know, it's it's their business. That's the only thing that I understand is, yes, it is their business. Him and the wife seem to be okay and together. We haven't heard of a split or nothing like that. He did say one of his kids is mad. So I guess it's not 100% okay. But, yeah, it's he's not he's not thinking this through um i'm predicting it's gonna get worse i don't want it to get worse but i think it's gonna get worse because this is the way things go but who knows he might still want to power through this or something um i don't think it's the best recipe for the ufc and i think the ufc usually does a good job of overcoming adversity and I think they have a pretty good team that kind of can, you know, is aware of things that are happening. And so usually they, they sometimes can be a step ahead and how they're not a step ahead of this is, is beyond me. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. All right. Look, our guest is ready to go. Louis Sutherland PFL challenger series. It starts up here in a few weeks. So we've going to be talking to a few fighters in the next few weeks about uh, their journey through Challenger Series where it can possibly win you a spot and that you can be fighting in the regular season and then moving on to the playoffs and eventually fighting for $1 million. So this is pretty big. It's a little bit on the lines of, uh, I think Strikeforce Challenger Series used to kind of like put a spotlight on fighters, lesser known fighters, younger fighters, who would eventually work their way to the Arena Series. Uh, but with no kind of guarantees. And with PFL, it's kind of different because if you're in, then all of a sudden, boom, you're in, and you you can literally become a top dog by the end of the year. That's kind of what's pretty exciting about it. Even Dana White's uh, contender series is still different. They kind of still take you a little bit slower introducing you into the arena series. So this challenger series, like I say, it can be it can be you know pretty lucrative for you if you if you shine you know so let's get to louis southern what's going on junkie nation gorgeous george and goes are back we get to talk to pfl challenger series fighter louis sutherland who's got a fight coming up here about a month away it's on February 10th on Fubo TV. That Challenger series is going to heat up, folks. It's going to produce a lot, a lot of talent. Four and one, my man here, fighting out of the UK. He's got Alton Meeks as an opponent. He's four and one. These guys are very, very much alike. How you doing, Louis? Good to have you on. I'm very good. Thanks for having me. You know, you're 29. He's 28. You're 6'3. He's 6'3. You're both four and one. You're both first round finishers. Pretty identical, right down the you know, right down the middle. That's right, and I think that's the kind of matchups you want when you uh, when you obviously you get into the sport, you know. Yeah. You want to put yourself against people that are, you know, the best, and 
yeah, here we are. Solid matchmaking. I would say the only difference I see is he hasn't fought much recently. He is coming off a win. He he took a loss th- three years ago to Jorgen De Castro, who we're familiar with. Um, you're actually coming off your loss. Your loss is a little bit more fresher. They say that first ro- yeah. uh, loss can be pretty humbling. Uh, what was it for you? You started off 4-0, smoking everybody, and then you, you took a decision loss. What did it do to you, and how much has it made it better? Yeah, obviously, there's always two ways you can go. You can let it affect you negatively or take the positives from it. Um, uh, I, I definitely don't like losing, for sure. Um, you know, I love to win, but uh, I've been in sports a long time, and it, it's part of the learning curve. And, you know, taking my loss, it made me realize what I need to work on you know, what areas I need to, uh, you know, to push hard in and so forth. And yeah, I guess it is humbling, but it's also, it's, it's, it's definitely a driver for me. You know, I hate losing. I hate the feeling, but I use it to fuel me. Would you say that better to take it now than obviously later, you know, maybe in, a, in some sort of a title match? I mean, I, I think pretty much Obviously, that that's the case, right? But at the same time, did it stunt you in any way mentally? Um, nah, I, I'm, I, everyone's different, but I would say I'm quite me- mentally resilient in in that sense. Um, I don't let it affect me mentally. And yeah, obviously, when I speak to people, more experienced people, they always say, oh, it's better to get it out of the way now than it is further down the line. Um, but you know, once you sign for the PFL and you know you go into these, these fights, you, you know that Whoever's going to be in front of you is going to have a good skill set. And it's about executing the game plan. And on that night, my opponent's game plan was just he executed better than I did. Um, and that's just that's just how it goes. You know, you roll the dice and and that's how that's how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> yeah. So. In his loss, he was finished. You, however, you did go the distance. You may have just answered the question, but I was going to ask you, what was the biggest thing you learned from the fight? Um. The biggest thing I, I, I learned from the fight is pretty much, again, yeah, just being in the cage with people that are going to be, you know, have great careers and they've got great careers ahead of them and already have good careers. So, you know, I, I always like to put myself against the best. And as I said, you roll the dice, you get in there and, you know, you let your hands go and you wrestle hard and whatever it may be and whatever the outcome is, the outcome is. Last year, we did have a fighter that was in the Challenger Series that looked so good. Eventually, he got into the regular season and actually became the finalist. Are you looking to follow that same blueprint? Yeah, 1,000%. I mean, it's already been in my mind. I've already envisioned that being in the, in the main league and, and going all the way and stuff like that. I'm, I'm quite big on affirmations and, you know, positive thinking and so forth. But that kind of stuff doesn't come without the hard work. So... You know, I know it just doesn't get delivered to you. You need to put in the hard, you know, the hard, hard graft on the mats. And, and that's what I'm doing. And, and I think that's the difference in terms of obviously realizing where I need to push hard and and taking rest days when I need the rest and, and things like that and being a bit more professional about things. Mm-hmm. I may have pegged you as a 29 year old. I, I correct myself. You're 28. I'm going to be 29 by the time the fight comes around, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> close, yes. Um, but when you're 53 like me and you got gray, you, you want to, you know, call it like it is. You're 28. I so. wouldn't say you look 53, man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
Now, if we go back to 2019, that was your first amateur fight. So around 25 is when you started in the sport, and you said mm-hmm. you played sports. So what other sports did you play, and why did it take you so long to migrate over to MMA where you've done so well? Um, I mean, I've always had fighting in me. I mean, I, I guess it's always quite cliche, but fighting's in my blood. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. So I've always, I've always boxed, and I've always been into martial arts. You know, I've, I've done every single martial art under the sun. But prim- primarily, when you're in London, uh, soccer or football, as we call it here, is is probably the, one of the biggest sports. So I, I played football for a little while. Then I transitioned into rugby because I, I finally found out that I was probably not going to make it as a professional football player. I was a bit too heavy, and a um, you know, long distances is, isn't really for me. You know, I'm quite an explosive person. So rugby was the sport for me. I always done that alongside boxing. But when I obviously took my rugby career you know to the next level eventually when i stopped playing you know i need i needed something to you know to fuel me and keep me going i'm not i'm not one that can just sit around and not do anything and live in the past so you know as i said fighting's in in my blood it's in my family you know boxing was always the one that i sort of went back to and i thought nah let me you know let me let me add some elbows and some some knees and some wrestling into this and see where it can take me and here i am you know as i said roll the dice and see where it takes me I was going to guess, and I'm mad at myself that I didn't, that you, you look like you struck me as a rugby player. Um, <laughs> however, you must have some incredible athleticism if, if you played football as well and then was able to translate into rugby because some similarities, but a lot of, you know, a lot of different yeah, skills yeah. in both sports. So that's awesome. For sure. And I always, I had this conversation with my cousin the other day because he's a football coach. Um, and I think playing football, made me a better rugby player because of the, the footwork and the, the hand-eye coordination and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It just made me a slightly better rugby player in terms of, I was, you know, quite of, you know, always been sort of bigger in that sense than, than other kids in terms of, you know, whether I was chubby as a kid or whatever, but I was always able to kick the ball and I would ha- always had the ability to, to use my feet as well as my hands. So, it kind of transitioned into that, and also it transition transitions into the the martial arts that I've done as a kid, mm-hmm. kickboxing, kung fu, karate, all of that sort of cliche sort of martial arts stuff that I did growing up was. It just helps everything. Just you know, rolls into one really. Is Volkanovski kind of one of your favorite players, just because you guys share that common trait of being former? Yeah, rugby- yeah. So, um, obviously, you know, you have two different types of rugby. I ain't going to get into it now, but you have rugby league and rugby union. Um, oh. and where he's from rugby league is predominantly you know a really big sport but over here in in England or down south in London rugby union's the main thing uh, whereas up north it's rugby league but I, I, I was privileged you know to play both and Volkanovski I mean I just understand that the, the athleticism that he must have from playing a good level of rugby league uh, and the cardio and things like that, I just appreciate how far he's gone. And yeah, he's definitely one of my favorite fighters now for sure as well. I thought you were going to tell me there's a difference between rugby league and Australian leagues. I, I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Hold on. No, no. So, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but there's, there's oh, difference. Wow. And, you know, and in England, there's a North South divide. I don't know if you guys sort of know about that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, rugby leagues are a very working class sport and rugby unions, quite a middle class, middle class sport. Where I'm from in in London, in in the north of London, no, nobody plays rugby. Everyone in my area played football, and even me to play rugby was like, oh, you play rugby? That's you know how come? So and then obviously there's even yeah, there's 
it's which too long to the, get into, but which one's the more popular one where there's the big see, I just got I should go get it. I just got myself a um uh a jersey for okay. Christmas and it was it was one of them from the all blacks. I just thought it was super cool and my girlfriend got it for Christmas. But which one's the one that's like Whereas there, there's the big World Cup and then yeah, I so you have the big World Cup. So that's that, that's rugby union. That's uh, rugby union. Okay. So you have the big World Cup and you know the All Blacks are very famous and yeah. and so forth. But then rugby league is in sort of the southern hemisphere. So New Zealand and Australia, rugby mm-hmm. league is a massive sport. They get like ninety thousand sometimes to the yeah. arenas. Whereas in England, it's not as big, but. You know the athleticism needed to play at the top level in in rugby union or rugby league. Yeah, is is obviously you know to, to be a professional in any sport you need to have, you know you need to have many many attributes. But yeah, you know nice. Volkanovski's you know massive example. Someone that was probably quite big and and now he's slimmed down a lot and he still holds that power and that athleticism at his weight that he is now. So it just For transcends sure. into into combat sports, I guess, or mm-hmm. vice versa. Louis, so I'm terrified to ask you this next question because it's going to dictate how the rest of the interview goes. Okay. Yeah. Fire squad. away, man. Who's Say your that again, sorry. I can't hear you, sorry. Your football team? Oh, my football team. Um, so I'm from a place in London called Tottenham. Um, so Tottenham Hotspur is my, is my local team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually of Scottish heritage. So my dad and my dad's family Scottish and they're massive Celtic supporters. So I don't know if you, you guys know who Celtic, no. Celtic are. Mm-hmm. So massive, massive Celtic supporters. Um, growing up, that's that was always driven into me, Celtic, Celtic, Celtic. And obviously when my dad come down to London, lived in London, he didn't have an English team, but obviously the local team was Tottenham and yeah, that's the team I support. I have cousins that support them. So, yeah, it's, it's, so in the Premier League, Tottenham Hotspur is my team. And I know we're not the best at the moment. And we, we, haven't, we haven't always been the best. But, yeah, man, it's, it's hard supporting them. But you've got I to do thought, it sometimes. <laughs> I thought maybe with Sir Alex Ferguson, we could get you on the, the Manchester United train. That's where George and I were. <laughs> He's Scottish. Oh, you guys are Man U fans, yeah? Yeah. No, I, I, de- I definitely was... won't be. I won't be switching sides this late in in into my life for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be glory hunting. This Scottish, and so is uh, Scott McTominay. But I'll tell you what, Tottenham has a a few really really good players that I like watching. One do. of them is yeah. Son, Son the forward man. He's incredible. Yeah, he's he's really good. And to be fair, he's I think he's starting to get the recognition now. Whereas the se- last season, maybe the season before. He didn't get the recognition, but now I do think he's a he, he's up there with some of the best wingers in the world for sure. And I think we're lucky to have him at Spurs, Tottenham. Yeah. But if he does go, you can't blame him. If he wants to chase some glory and some and whatever it may be, me as a fan, you can't begrudge someone that wants to you know go on and win things. And you know, I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to win much at Spurs, and that's my honest opinion. But. <laughs> You know, I'm the poor sucker that's got to support him. You know, he can move on. <laughs> hey, Louis, so your opponent, very aggressive. You're very aggressive as well. There's a famous yeah. Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a game plan so you get punched in the face. Is that going to be a challenge of sort, maybe for both of you, is just sticking to that game plan and not getting wrapped up in 
in uh, some violence here? Yeah, for sure. And obviously, I, I always want to be involved in, in 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 the best fights possible, the exciting fights and so forth. But I understand that this is MMA and everyone's going to have a game plan. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said before, I'm, you know, learning a bit more of how to, you know, manage fights better and, and be a bit more professional in that sense, rather than just going out all guns blazing and just being an absolute wrecking ball, which, you know, uh, I, I, I have it in me to do. But again, it's just about being professional and that's only going to take me so far. I need to obviously make sure that, you know, we don't get wrapped up in each other's game and, and sort of focus on what I need to do rather than what what he's going to be doing. You know, I focus on, on myself. So, yeah. How do you manage game plan versus challenger series and wanting to sort of stick out as well? Um. I wouldn't say it's a tough one because you see in my last fight, I, you know, I was in a sense trying to show what, my, you know, my, 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 you know, what I was capable of. And, you know, I, I didn't try to, I didn't really get wrapped up in the moment of, oh, I need to put on a show and this isn't really who I am. And I, I just went out there and I was myself and that's all I can be. And I'm not going to lie to anyone. I do want to be exciting. I, I want to be a fan favorite. And, and that's just, that's just the style I have. So, you know, I, I definitely have to manage it and learn how to manage it. And like I tell a lot of people that when they first meet me, I'm learning on the job. And that, that will come with time and that will come with experience. And um, yeah, but a lot of people don't have the dog in them, you know, and I know for sure I've got the dog. Now I just need to tame him a little bit and, and unleash him when he needs to be unleashed, if that makes sense. You know, Louis, uh, so Goz and I have been doing this show for about plus over 15 years okay. we've talked to a lot of fighters over our over time you know mm -hmm. but one of the nice things is when you go through these different generations and then you know some of the other fights some of the stars that we've come become familiar with mm -hmm. they go into retirement and then here comes a new crop yeah. and uh it's up to guys and gals to connect you know connect with fans connect and and keep yeah. us all excited and you've done an excellent job i gotta tell you because with the time change it's 6 a.m for goes and i so we got up early to do this you know we don't oh, right. thanks guys i didn't i didn't realize and i was a little bit late because <laughs> i got a message saying it was tomorrow when it was because of the time difference and yeah, yeah sorry, we sorry we, guys we don't mind doing it doing it we were up at all hours of the day we love doing this you know but i i, I want to give you a peek behind the curtain and so, like you mentioned, you know, you were a few minutes late, and then I saw the Scottish flag. I, so I'm telling goes, I'm like, oh man, it's gonna be tough to understand, <laughs> because they say the further you in the UK you go north, the tougher the accent, right? So I'm like, here we That's go. That's right. And and to be fair, it's, it's quite you know, people ask me, you, you sound like you're from London, but you, yeah. you fly the Scottish flag, and you know, that's just that's just something personal to me. I've said it before in other interviews. That's a tribute to my heritage and, and my yeah. dad, and and you know, my dad's not with me anymore. Mm. so i fly that flag for mm. him and i know that he's with me and and stuff like that it's a bit sentimental but you know i don't know if you can understand me but i don't think my accent's that, that no i can understand you perfectly i yeah. was gonna say um, i mean so everything was you were ex everything was making sense as it went on as soon as he said london like okay further south he moved there yeah. a long time ago so he, he doesn't have as thick of an accent but I'm just telling you, man, we found you incredibly charming and, and interesting. And so you got that ingredient. 
And then I've seen the highlights. You know, you got that ingredient too, man. I think you can go a long way. But I did want to ask you one, one last question on the way out. Maybe two. Yeah. But why did you decide on PFL? Because now the sport has history, right? So you have your Bispings and Hardings that went to the route of the UFC, uh, MVPs and Paul Daly's that went to the route of Bellator, and then Brendan Lockmane. You know, he just locked it down, you know, um, from Manchester, and he won a million dollars at PFL. But for you, what – was there options, or did they come charging the hardest, or did you want to go to PFL? Where, explain that to us, please. Um, so yeah, there was there was definitely options. There was options on the table and different routes and so forth. Um, I just think the PFL um, resonated with me just a little bit more. The setup, the activity, obviously, if you, when and if you do get in the league, the activity. I know it's tough, and obviously the matchups. You know, there's no oh this or maybe that. It's like. This is the guy you're fighting. He's in the league. You know, it's the best fighter goes all the way. And and that's the kind of setup I like. I, you know, whether I'm four and one or 20 and one or whatever it might be. Right. You know, I want, I want to be pipped against the best. And yeah, and good luck to every man that steps in there, really. So uh, PFL just resonated with me in terms of the setup. Obviously, I heard that they obviously look after their fighters very much. Mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and sort of the back room stuff and they, they've been nothing but good to me so far and long may it continue you know and i think they're you know the best organization out there at the moment in that sense in terms of i mean look at look at brendan's career look what he's had to do to get to where he is now right and i'm one of the fortunate ones to be able to you know already sign with the pfl this early in my career yeah. Someone like Brendan, who's been on the game, been in the game for such a long time, you know, finally achieving his goals and so forth. It just, you know, it's great. It's great to see and great to to hear that a company like PFL are, are rooting for their fighters. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then this is the last one. I'm going to roll the dice here. A lot of times, so before COVID, we had our studio at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. I don't know if you've ever been to Las Vegas. Never COVID. Have. Uh, moved everyone around so now we do a lot of the work from home but a lot of times a fighter like yourself would come to the studio and when we connect with them we're like yeah let's go for it Uh, back in the day we always used to ask a fighter in studio hey give us a good street fight story and the one thing i noticed was people from england always deliver (laughs) like they always have some epic stories you know same guys we mentioned paul daly michael bisping jimmy manoa man all like but how how about you you know you said you kind of always liked you know, throwing hands. You, <laughs> rugby You're going to get me in trouble, guys. You're going to get me in the rugby pitch or a, a club. Back in the day, you, you got one for us? Or? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll fire away. I mean, I've got loads of stories, but hopefully this one doesn't get me into too much trouble. Well, as long um, as it wasn't last week, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. No, no, it wasn't. No, no, this was a long time ago. It was my okay. actually my 21st birthday. All right. And, um, I'm not a massive drinker or nothing like that. So I, I, I don't drink loads. And, you know, if there's something to celebrate, I'll, I'll, I'll have a drink and so forth. Right. So it was my 21st birthday. Um, I'm from quite a rough area in London. Obviously, I know the guys in the States always think that England's not that rough and there's no guns and there's no violence and blah, blah, blah. But there's loads of violence where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was having a drink with one of my best pals, having a little drink. And then I heard that, all of my sisters, I've got loads of sisters. I'm talking, mm-hmm. I've got four sisters and I've got loads of girl cousins. And they're, they're all in this little bar um, in a place called Wood Green, just mm-hmm. having a good time. They're just out socializing with themselves. 
I've gone there to, to see them and I've turned up and anyway, someone's said something to my sister mm-hmm. and it's just popped off. So all of a sudden, my, my one of my best pals is he's not the biggest guy, not the tallest guy. He started throwing hands straight away, right? Mm-hmm. And he gets absolutely dropped. I'm mm. talking stiff as a board. Wow. And I'm like, oh shit, fuck. So anyway, uh, I've I've then chased that guy. I've picked him up and thrown him into a garage. Anyway, six other guys have come out. I know this is going to sound crazy, but six other guys have come out. There's kicks flying. My sisters are getting involved. My sisters are battling people off and so forth. So I've chased another one. I've clotheslined him. I've even got the scar on my... Like Hulk Hogan? Yeah, I ended up clotheslining him. And and luckily enough, I mean, a bus come past and... It, it it nearly hit him and 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 it was it was wild. So anyway, it's it's all died down. I'm thinking, oh, we well, got out of that one pretty easy. So as I'm getting in into the car now, I've seen my cousin. He he's a boy arguing with the same guys, and mm. all of a sudden, I've just seen this big Eastern European guy just go, Wah! and he stiff as a board. My cousin's been knocked out. So oh. I've got out of the car and I've run over to him and I fly and need this guy landed on top of him. And just beating the shit out of him. And obviously, I had to shoot home. Obviously, you know, police were coming and everything else. But um, that's one of the stories. I mean, that's that's only a little bit of detail. That's not too much. But the reason why I remember it so much and it resonates is because it was my 21st birthday in it. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things I won't forget, you know. Um, There was quite a few of them. They're big Eastern Eastern European guys. And they knocked the shit out of my my, my best pal and my cousin. I was like fuck the chips are down here man i'm by myself and luckily had my sisters behind me to help me out you know yeah <laughs> hands as well i think you're leaving a few things out because you said six came out and all you mentioned was a clothesline you're probably leaving a few ko's out right you took yeah out no there was, there was one or two but uh, you know credit probably goes to the girls in my family rather than me you know oh yeah Take it down. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure man yeah wow. that's crazy that's a good <laughs> but, um, one i've got i've got some some teeth marks in my forearm where i clothesline this dude I, I swung hard and he ended up his two front teeth ended up in my arm. My wow. forearm. So <laughs> if we if we ever meet up, I'll show you the scar on the forearm. <laughs> was was the flying knee was the flying knee like Mazvidal style? Like you ran? Yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah, it was just like a flying knee and it just connected and he just fell and I was like, fuck, I was I was lucky there, boy. You know, yeah. if it didn't connect, I, I would have been on my ass and it would have been yeah, it would have been even worse for me. But uh, yeah, I got out with a few bumps and scrapes, but Hey, that's what we live for. That's crazy. That's I definitely a good felt one. alive yeah. after it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that Northern London was as dangerous. I always keep hearing Southeast kind of like is, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm relating it to, to football. So I'm always hearing stories about Millwall and West Ham. Uh, West Ham, it's East and Southeast. So I thought maybe down yeah, there. So obviously be, you've got maybe in the North. Got all, obviously part. all different types of crime and violence in London. I mean, mm-hmm. London's a big city. Any major city is going to have right. high levels of crime. If you're looking at England or Scotland, look at the likes of Glasgow, where my dad's from. You know, loads of violence there. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, Birmingham, Manchester, mm-hmm. London. These big cities, it's the same as like New York, Philly, or wherever you, you know, New York City, Philly, or places in LA that, you know, probably I ain't even heard of. Yeah. You know, big cities and stuff. There's always going to be violence, but you have these little pockets. It's not the violence that I'm talking about. It's not football related. It's more like, you know, street related street gangs and, you know, some organized crime gangs and things like that. And that's the kind of violence that 
that happen that goes on in London. Yeah. You know, people always talk about there's no guns and stuff, but say that to the friends that I've had, you know, seen shot and, st- and stabbed and things like that. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of violence, but I don't like to obviously, you know, that cliche story is that oh, I come from the street, man, and, and things like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be sort of known as that type of, I'm, I'm a street dude and, and things like that. I just want to be known as a fighter and where yeah. I'm from is where I'm from. And, you know, whatever happens here, I could be from the suburbs. It doesn't matter. I'm a fighter at the end of the day. But yeah, in a city, London, there's it's rife with knife crime, gun crime, gang culture. All so that it's kind of like what we saw 20 years ago on Bennett Lake Beckham is what you're telling us. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, I don't obviously you guys have the projects. You guys have projects in, yeah. Ghetto, in the US. Projects, and, everything, man. It's, yeah, so over here in London, we have council estates. I don't know if you've, you guys have heard of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's social housing, like high-rise buildings, big, massive yeah. states mm-hmm. with high-rise buildings. And you grow up and they're like concrete jungles. You know, they're sometimes police don't even go in there. Police can't police those types of estates. And you just have kids and, and, and adults running about at free will near enough with, you know, weapons. Well, we just and, saw Goes and I six months ago. What did we watch, Goes? Summer House? Was that the name? Oh, Top boy. Top boy. Yeah. yeah so, 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 so that that depicts okay life in, in London. Really, is quite a top boy. Is great. I, I love yeah. top boy. It um it resonates with my childhood. To be fair, nice. and sort of how I grew up on bigger states like that, and that type of culture, and you know the, the you know the crime that goes on, but also that camaraderie, and you know you know you obviously how street guys are and stuff, but you know a lot of people don't realize that about London and. Obviously, I don't talk about it too much. It's just something that never really comes up. People don't right. normally ask those types of questions. But, you know. You can blame it on the junkie radio guys. Hey, they brought it out of me. But to be yeah, fair, they, yeah. to be fair <laughs> you were just backing up your girls, your the, the girls on your side of the family. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's right, so, man. Think, that, this was a heroic street fight story, an epic street fight story. And then for me, an epic interview, man. I loved it. I'm glad we woke up. We did this. You're a great guy, man. I hope Thanks, to talk guys, to you yeah. some more. So thank you for the time. Nice one. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and hopefully see you soon. Okay. Take care, Louis. Take care, guys. See ya. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Cool cat. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Rugby player. These rugby players. I'm going to keep an eye on these rugby players. How many rugby players do we have in the UFC? I know there's Volk and this guy, but I thought there was one other guy that also played some rugby. Um, We lost that? I need to. Uh, I, I want to get a refresher on what he was talking about—the different rugby's. I had no idea that the like, union, and, yeah, had had any clout in there. But that was interesting. I thought it was just Australian rules football and rugby, and I've seen both sports, and I see the differences. But there's rugby union. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, but you're gonna like the rugby shirt I got for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I'll show it to you. When I head back to Vegas. Um, all right. Bellator. They got a Grand Prix all set. So it all starts with this. First, they've re-signed AJ McKee. You happy about that, guys? I am. For him, I am. Yeah. Okay. Why is that? Uh, he's probably getting a fat paycheck based off of what he said he wanted in an interview with us. He said he wanted a million a fight. Okay. Let's just say... He didn't get that, and he got half, which I seriously doubt he would have taken. 
uh, but let's just say it's more than what he would make in the UFC. Um, he's a good fighter. He's a great fighter. But there are some monsters in the UFC. And I'm not saying he'll never be ready for them, but he might not be ready for them right now. And right now he can cash some pretty big paychecks. Now, if he told me he signed like a a 10 fight deal, then I would go, ooh, I don't know about that. But if he signed like five fights or something like that, sure. Collect your giant paycheck. Be the big fish in a small pond for a little while longer. Let Bulk, let Holloway get some more uh, mileage on themselves and then come over. No, I'm not hating on it. Coker did say that he didn't rule out that the tournament could be wrapped up by the end of 2023. So if you can get it done all in one year, then yeah, yeah, another year out of AJ McKee's life is fine if he can win a Grand Prix, win the title, and also a million dollars. That would be pretty epic for sure. But I want AJ McKee in the UFC. And the reason is because I just don't think they've done a good job over the years of stocking the lightweight division up so that we have great matchups. The lightweight division, you have to treat with uh, a little differently from other divisions. That's a division that probably has the most available athletes out there, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's almost no excuse to never have a solid lightweight division. And the Bellator is, they've been guilty of that for the last 10 years. They've had Will Brooks, they've had Eddie Alvarez, they've had Mac Michael Chandler. There's been some overlap with that. They've had Benson Henderson, a little bit of overlap with that. I think Josh Thompson came back, you know, but so they have had a few names and then sprinkled in with some of the younger talents, like, you know, Patricky, for example. Um, now, Nermi, who's the champ, but... Like, I'm struggling to even get past five, right, and to really, really get to ten. Like, I, you know, that's just – you can't have that. The mm -hmm. UFC probably can throw at least ten athletes that have name value along with ten rising stars, and they can pretty much do that at any moment. And that's with some just hanging out still, not even deciding if they want to compete or not and some early retirements. So maybe some other divisions, you know, I would be a little bit more flexible on, but the lightweight division has been disappointing. That's why I never wanted Michael Chandler to resign that second time. It was nothing against Bellator in that regard or nothing against Chandler wanting to get more money. I get that, right? But even Chandler, I think, has admitted that fighting in the UFC has been a whole lot different from him. And this is the guy that's gone two and three in the UFC. He hasn't won the title three times like he did over at Bellator. But he's been able to maximize his charisma, his charm, his performances, so he gets paid handsomely, and I think he's had a lot of opportunities from outside the cage. And I think A.J. McKee could also capitalize like Michael Chandler because they haven't stocked the shelves up for him. But he doesn't fight the way Michael Chandler fights. He's more technical. Like, And don't forget, his dad has come at, at Dana White a lot. Mm -hmm. So who knows what kind of offer he got from the UFC. Like, I don't know if they would be that fired up to sign him anyway. Mm -hmm. I think what Bellator need, needs to do, honestly, is get yourself up, like, get yourself a falling veteran, and then get yourself some mid mid level guys, a Bobby Green, someone like that, and then sprinkle in someone like, uh, it might be a little too late for these guys now, but maybe a couple of years ago, a Joe Lozon, a Jim Miller, something like that, where when you when you look at the the lineup for the night, you go, all 
right, I want to tune into that. And mm -hmm. you put those guys up against the Nermies, those guys that are rising, and then just just sprinkling a couple of those mid tier guys to make it fun. Um, and, and it won't cost you as much as you you pay for like a um, a Yoel Romero or someone like that. Like I, I don't think it would even cost that much. I agree. I agree. Here are the names that are involved in the uh, Grand Prix. In fact, I have some matchups, first of all. They've matched up four of them according to the OC register here in uh, Southern California. Usman Nurmagomedov versus Benson Henderson. And Tofik Musa Musayev versus Alexander uh, Shabili. So the only ones I can't give you matchups for will be the other four that are involved in the Grand Prix, and that's Mansoor Barnawi, Sydney Outlaw, AJ McKee, and Patricky Frady. Um, yeah. You see what I'm saying? The the names that jump out at me are Frady, McKee, uh, yeah. and Nermi, the champ, right? And these other guys, I'm struggling to remember them and watching them and what they're all about. Oh, and Benson, I guess. Did I say Benson? Benson, McKee, Patricky, yeah. and Nermi. I'm struggling to remember their abilities. And it shouldn't be that way because a Tofik Musayev and an Alexander Shabili, along with a Mansur Barnoy, that, that's no different from an Armand Sarukian or a Matias Gamra, but yet I'm way more familiar with them than with these guys. And that's because I think you know, the UFC just spotlights them more. I don't know. Uh, or maybe I, I, I'm more tuned in or I watch them more or there's maybe less time in between their fights. Who knows? But this Grand Prix just doesn't really jump out at me like, oh, fuck, yeah, look at that. You know, I, it did it with the welterweights. It did it with the featherweights. It even did it with the light heavyweights. But with this one, ah, okay, you know, we'll see. It didn't at first for me. At first, I had the exact same reaction you did. But then I thought of the potential of some of the matchups. And then I was like, okay, you probably. But it needed one more guy, huh? It needed one more. I'd say I'd say with 55, everybody should have been a name. Everybody should have been a name. Uh, because this is a, a division that's just stacked with talent. I would have asked even Anthony Pettis, are you still with PFL? Are you still with them? Because if not, come over here. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Look, look at Clay Collard. Clay Collard's become a name, but he became a name at the expense of some of the fighters that he fought, Jeremy Stevens, Anthony Pettis, or whatever. But, yeah, like you said, or or pick up some other names um, you know, that no longer have a future with the UFC, but this one just doesn't really jump out. Why Why shouldn't 55 be a 16-man to 16 person of uh grand prix you know but mm -hmm. i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens the, they're gonna try and play it out throughout the whole year and uh that's fine the champ defends along the way so benson gets the first crack at him rob font's gonna fight adrian yanez that's pretty good right i like that one that's that's a solid matchup um and it's very very interesting I, I, you could kind of see what the ufc is trying to do there um but Rob Font is still a good fighter. He's still a really good fighter, and Adrian Yanez is on his way up. So mm -hmm. I guess the way they're looking at it is, all right, if Font wins, well, then we kind of just kind of kind of keeps his name around. 
But if Adrian Yanez wins, then this might be the one that kind of makes him break out a little bit more as a star. And that's an important win for him. So uh, it's perfect. I think it's perfect matchmaking. Yeah. There's another matchup that was recently made as well. Gegard Musasi against Fabian Edwards. Uh, that one's going to take place at Bellator Paris. And in Bellator Paris, by the way, you will have a lightweight Grand Prix quarterfinal. Um, and as far as the other Grand Prix, I failed to mention March 10th, it kicks off in San Jose. So keep an eye on that. They're trying to get it done all in one year. The Outlaw Barnoe, that matchup is the one that's in in uh, Paris. So we'll see, man. And don't forget, UFC Fight Night is this weekend with Nasruddin Imavov versus Sean Strickland at light heavyweight. It was supposed to be Nasruddin versus Kelvin Gaslam, but Kelvin Gaslam had to pull out a few days ago. So Sean Strickland steps in. Sean Strickland said he hadn't fought in about a, or trained in about a month or so. So he definitely can't make 185, but he would be willing to make 185, uh, 205. That's why that matchup's taking place at that weight class. One last thing, Goes and I are going to be hosting a watch along on January 21st. Same deal as always, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific here on MMA Junkie. The four fights on the prelims, we'll cover those, and the five fights on the pay-per-view will be there for those. If you don't order the pay-per-view, we'll be your eyes and ears for that night. We have two title fights with Davis and Figueredo defending against Brandon Marino. And then you got the vacant title with Jamal Hill and Glover Teixeira looking to become the undisputed champion in the light heavyweight division. So big, big night ahead. One unfortunate thing to report, Brad Tavares will not be fighting Gregory Rodriguez. Brad Tavares had to pull out. We recently spoke to Brad Tavares. And for the second time, days later, he pulled out of a fight. We even gave him a hard time about it the other night, the other day. So uh, it's unfortunate. We want Brad to fight. We're obviously joking here. We're just saying the timing of it all. Uh, but did you see that, goes? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I heard... Uh, I was trying to find. I was, I'm hoping it's just not a serious injury. Maybe it's just a, a simple setback, and he can possibly fight, you know, in a few months or something like that. But yeah, uh, I was really, really bummed to hear that. Sounded like he was pumped up. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Folks, we're going to get on out of here. Thanks for tuning in, as always. And uh, we'll be talking to you all on Monday. Speaking of Mondays, don't forget about Spinning Backlick, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can catch myself and Goes and some of our colleagues at MMA Junkies. We discuss the latest news in MMA. We always thank you for your support for these past 15 years plus. And uh, go out and be a champion. We'll talk soon. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.